0: Welcome to The Dog Classroom, The Dog Classroom Podcast. I am your co-host, Anne-Marie, and I'm your co-host, Amelia, like and subscribe on Spotify
1: and YouTube in video format. And now into the episode. Here we go. Welcome back to The Dog Classroom Podcast. We are so excited to be here this week talking about one of my favorite topics, which is resource guarding.
0: Yes. Doesn't it seem to crop up everywhere and anywhere?
1: It sure does. Um, and we also, you know, have an entire webinar on it.
0: Right. But, yes, we do. <laughs>
1: um I want to talk about it more to bring sort of awareness to what it is and how to prevent it and all those fun things.
0: So we're actually going to start out with maybe describing what it is, because when I mention it in puppy school... Because we talked about resource guarding, right? Yeah. In puppy school, actually, some people don't quite know the terminology.
1: And I think it's because a lot of the time, if you're you're going to Google it, like people like to Google things. Yeah. People will Google, um, "My dog is aggressive," or "Food aggression," or "Toy aggression."
0: Okay, so what would come up?
1: That would be basically um, like the thing that they're resource guarding, right? Okay. So I'm sure there's a whole bunch of bad advice that comes up, but we're here to counter that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I would say technically people aren't going to Google the term resource guarding. No. They're going to Google other things, and you're saying that the term resource guarding would come up.
1: Probably. Okay. If it was like a legitimate source. I think most of us in sort of the professional world would refer to it as resource guarding. So if we break that down, a resource is basically something that the the animal finds – I guess
0: appealing, appealing, rewarding, passionate about.
1: Yeah, there yeah. is something that they want, right? Yes, something they, they want, want to it. keep. So for yeah. us, I always give the example of money, and then oh, yes, guarding, money. yes, being, you know, they want to protect that thing. I
0: talk about hand sanitizer.
1: That was that was interesting. <laughs> so if we think in 2020, we were resource guarding our hand sanitizer and like toilet crazy. paper. We were, and toilet yeah. paper because it was like, you found it and you, like, even though overall, right, like toilet paper is worth like $20 or something. But at that time, <laughs> it was worth much more to us because we didn't know if we were going to get it again and that sort of thing. And that right. was a perfect example yeah. of how we resource guard things.
0: Because a lot of the, um like the dog aggression seminar that we took, as well as Clicker Expo last year, actually used it as an example for people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great example. And and when I talk about money, I usually just say like our version of resource guarding because we are technically more evolved than dogs, right? And we have like a civilization. We,
0: we, we hope. We yeah. hope,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we have other ways to guard our stuff. So if I don't want you to maybe eat my food, I'm going to put my name on it when I put it in the fridge. If I don't want you to take my money, oh, I'm going to okay. put it in my wallet. I see where you're going. Right? We have yeah. other ways. But the dog can't take the bone and write their name on it. Yeah. Right. So technically what they start to do is they use body language.
0: Right. And so they're showing actual signs. So let's talk. Let's throw out a few examples for everybody about resources that are more common for them to guard. Food bowl is the obvious one. Yeah. Okay. Water dish, the odd time. Want to throw that in there? Uh, Bones, bully sticks, antlers. So I consider that higher value right yeah um toys contraband contraband yes. that's what
1: Henry calls it is yes. things that the dog has stolen that don't really have value on their own but, but because you stole it
0: but because they stole it and you want it yeah it now has value so contraband is basically you know the joke we talk in classes with doing leave it is um paper towel yeah toilet paper use Kleenex um, shoes, tea towels actually are some of them yes, lately. Yes. Yeah, there's a few dogs that are like food
1: residue. So you wipe your hands on them. Yeah,
0: yeah. So use tea towels. Okay, so those are the main things that they guard. So where yes. do we go? Okay, let's actually talk about age because I, I bring it up again in puppy school and. Um, Lately, Amelia and I, when we were, you know, talking about uh, doing behavior consults and stuff is we sort of decided that you were going to sort of take the lead on the resource guarding. Yeah. Um, Sort of specialized. Specialized in it. Exactly. So and then because it does evolve, like it's just not one session and boom, it's gone. Right. Right. So you're building up, you're still continuing to do the preventative uh prevention training or if the dog actually has it, we're addressing it. Um I've been told and over what I've learned is if puppies have resource guarding, it's a titch more of a concern. I think if they're showing it earlier, then
1: you obviously know that it's probably a genetic component. Right. Okay. More so than a learned behavior. Right. And I think for a lot of people, um like when it's something that the dog has learned over time, they can almost unlearn that, right? Like you can build some trust again, but if it's that genetic component or that sort of innate behavior where they just have that desire to guard, um, which we see a lot. And I think we've talked about previously with, you know, um, maybe the mom dog had to guard to stay alive or, or you know, there's some kind of yeah, the upbringing, um, hereditary yeah. Yeah. component to it. Um, I think it's going to be harder to get rid of, so to speak
0: because because it's more of instead of a learned response maybe it's more of an emotional mental response
1: exactly okay and so when i look at nuggy for example um she's been guarding <laughs> since she was a pound right and and you sometimes when it's a puppy you go oh, that's just silly puppy behavior i hope they'll grow out of it right
0: and it needs to be
1: addressed it should be addressed um but also with puppies who do not guard i think it should still be addressed that they have the potential to
0: right right and then that's where you're doing your leave it and take it and the food bowl exercises that we suggest and i try to encourage people as that's a prevention
1: yeah so let's let's talk about that stuff after okay because first I think we need to talk about some of the early signs of guarding okay because when you and i were talking about this episode Mm -hmm. we talked about sometimes the things that that we see that maybe our clients or other pet owners might miss
0: Right. right so how about if it's okay i'm gonna start one of them is when the puppies eat fast
1: Yes, I would say if that's out of character for the puppy, though.
0: Yeah, because but technically, sometimes when they show up in the house, they do um, eat quite quickly, right? And it's hard to know if that's guarding for sure. And a lot of people don't think it is. They just think, you know, they're hungry or they didn't have free access to the food in the house and sort of thing. The way that I suggest is if you actually give that puppy a bit of room or if it's a multi-dog household and you sort of gave them a quiet space to eat, would they still eat that quickly?
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. I think that's important because they will definitely, they'll eat more quickly or like with the examples of the paper towel that they stole they will swallow it. Yes. Right, and it's all about sort of ingesting that thing so that somebody can't take it away. Right, yeah. Which is the underlying reason behind all of resource guarding, right? And I think sometimes people, will go oh you know the dog is is doing it to me for whatever reason but it's because they want that thing yeah they want to keep it they want to keep access to it yeah and that's the motivation there so a lot of the time when we're not thinking about it right we go and we have the puppy and then we put them beside our other dog and we say here go and eat well now we're creating that sort of you're
0: creating that competition
1: yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that, you know, that might get missed would be the eating fast. It would also be the freezing. Yes. So if you approach and your dog stops eating and sort of stares at you and you can see the little whites of their eyes. Or even just holds their head down. Yeah. Holds yeah. their head down over the object or over their food bowl or whatever it might be. Yeah. That's something that, you know, sometimes people go, oh, I distracted them. And it's like, did you or is it <clears> guarding? <throat> right. <laughs> yes. So there's a whole picture of body language that we have to take into account. Right. But I think that's one of the earlier signs as well that sometimes people miss.
0: I think teeth bearing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, some puppies do that where they stop and freeze and the owners don't quite keep up on it, or sorry, acknowledge it. And then what they'll do is then reach in further and now we're getting teeth bearing and then some of them will actually make contact. Yeah,
1: so there's like an escalation there.
0: Yes, escalation.
1: And I think all of that is, is relevant. I think too, when we think about toys or things that they can pick up and move is turning away from us with it.
0: Okay. Yes. Right. Or hiding yes. with the object. Or like almost putting it between their paws. Yeah. And like then sort of hovering yeah, And it. then hovering over. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Yeah. 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 And, and those are things that I would say before teeth bearing and growling and all that people might miss or think the dog is playing or, you know, you misinterpret it. Yes. And then we create a bigger issue because we misinterpreted it. So I think it's important that people know what to look for so that that can sort of play a part in their prevention where they go, I remember hearing something about that. Maybe I should take a minute and look
0: at the whole picture. And I think just what you said, and I was just going to pipe in and say, take a minute, take a step back, mm-hmm. evaluate, and sort of you know take in the information that's being displayed. And then at that point... Um, you know, talk to somebody. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So one of the things that you did mention with the bearing teeth, Mm -hmm. I wanted to go into a little bit more because I think one of the biggest things that all of us have done, and I know I've done it and you've probably done it, is we get offended when the dog growls at us. And so we then
0: try to punish them for it. Right. Yeah. You tell them to stop it or that's enough. Yeah. Yeah
1: and i think a lot of people don't realize what's happening when you punish a dog who is growling yes because to me the growl is information the growl is them saying i am uncomfortable with this situation and we as the humans we get our
0: ego involved and we go how dare you i'm going to take that from you and then it escalates the situation instead of de-escalating it exactly and i would
1: say again i can speak from experience with this because (laughs) if you look at my dog and how severely she guards against my partner versus when she does guard against me, which is now very rare, it's because he will challenge her and he will go, you know, I'm gonna take that thing from you, don't you growl at me. And so what happens is she has learned with you, growling isn't safe. Growling is, I'm skipping that step. I am gonna go from, I have this straight to, I am gonna bite you.
0: Yeah. And so you've lost your warning cue.
1: Exactly. It's it's not that he's done anything horrible to her and, you know, like physically punished her in any way. He has just repeatedly ignored her signals and she has learned that that's not going to work for you. She has to take it to the next level. And so seeing that from client dogs as well, that can be very dangerous when, (laughs) when it's not a Chihuahua, right? Even with a Chihuahua, um, she can still do damage. It's still a concern. We're still doing lots of management when there's children around. Like it's not, it's not something that you want to punish out. When you see a growl, you want to go, okay, let's not take it further than that. Thanks. Thanks assess the situation like you said. I was going to say
0: reevaluate situation and then
1: see where we go from there yeah does that mean that I'm letting you know my dog take dangerous things and and go and guard them and run away and I'm going oh no I don't want to upset you no right there's a time and a place where just like with kids right yeah if they're doing something that's
0: dangerous you're going to stop them you're going to intervene it rather quickly yes
1: but my goal in what I teach in the resource guarding webinar is how to not get to that situation. Right. And so for me, and, and for example, with Stark, my other dog, who was a pretty severe guarder as a puppy, um, who doesn't really guard much anymore much at all no. anymore, yeah. um, was building a relationship. Yeah. Right. So trusting, trusting, yeah. um, making sure that, you know, I, I am managing the environment, I guess.
0: Okay. So, so, describe how you're managing in the environment.
1: Um, so, when I brought Nuggy in, for example, she was a puppy and he was an adult. Okay. And I know that he has a history of guarding against other dogs. Okay. So, when I brought Nuggy in, I wasn't feeding them side by side. I wasn't um, giving them bones, having them out in the house like there was playtime separate. Mm-hmm. There was um, if I was giving them a treat, like I would give Nuggy the treat and then give him a treat. So it'd be like, okay, she gets one. There's still enough for you.
0: So what right. Amelia is saying is, is with that, a lot of people always say want to feed or give the older dog something first. Right. But. In my situation. <laughs> yeah. But when it comes to guarding, you always give the treat or the reward to the non guarder.
1: Right, because then they're learning that it predicts good things for them. For them.
0: So be very careful with the multi-dog sort of scenario, but it's non-garter gets it first, garter second, because then garter learns to wait and want that other dog to be around because, yes, something results for them.
1: Yeah, and we definitely yep. did tons of work to get to where we are today, which is yep. basically they can I can throw cookies on the floor and they can both go and eat from the same pile. Yep. They share toys, they play tug, they share beds, they share everything. Um, we're not going to get that far in a, a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um, just to talk about how um, it is something that you can work on. Yes. And it's not something that necessarily you need to take offense to and go – you know wow this is really bad i'm offended i'm going to punish my dog for it
0: i think yeah the other thing too is knowing the steps but again in us discussing this webinar it's also about um sorry podcast i'm getting stuck on the whole webinar thing <laughs> the webinar we talk about this yeah exactly in exactly but in saying that um there's also prevention exactly right and that that's what we were talking about that we do in classes that we do in puppy school so you know when it's hard to tell people that when they have their puppy or they're in puppy school that that's not technically their true personality right
1: we're still we're still building a relationship building a relationship puppy. getting
0: to know them getting to
1: know the ins and outs yeah yeah and so i think too a lot of it is we do things to puppies Because we can, because they're small and we get away with it, right? So, and if you, I mean, there's still a lot of bad advice out there. Yes. And I hear it almost every single time I run a puppy class is so-and-so said, you know, the internet said, the breeder said, whatever said, stick my hands in their bowl. Yeah. And so I just ask people to think about like, what is that teaching your puppy? What does your puppy learn from you sticking your hand in their bowl?
0: Yeah. (laughs) not a lot when if, I was at anything. um I like my story can you tell me Go, I'm just gonna yeah. tell a very quick short short version is when I went to um California to clicker mm-hmm. expo I did a gardening seminar with Tulip right yes and we did the food bowl exercises and the funny thing is um the instructor compared it to eating a steak at the keg mm-hmm. so she basically said that would you enjoy if the waiter or waitress came over and started cutting up your meat and touching your food and it was like, be uh, weird. no, and it, it would be and it's not to say that, you know, we would be guarding the steak, But in a way, there's like a respect level, like an understanding where, you know, you don't want somebody messing around with your food when you're trying to eat. And it sort of works the same way with the dog. So it's not to say that we should be pushing that way. I think ultimately it's a respect level.
1: It is. And I think that's that's a struggle. That's a mindset shift a lot of people
0: yeah because I
1: think still out there today is the mindset that I provided you this food I can take this away from you yes you know but I I, I don't think that's the basis of the relationship that we want with our dogs and so when you stick your hand in your dog's food you're teaching them either that you're you're weird like you're doing something very strange and I don't love it or you're teaching them that they can't trust you yeah so I can't eat in peace you're gonna come and bother my stuff I'm gonna start to get upset about that and that's where it comes in learned like we talked about at the beginning as opposed to the genetic right the genetic
0: component and that's what I was bringing up as far as prognosis when you're seeing puppies literally like they're at your house for a week 10 days sort of thing then they're already guarding that is a different component to say your dog starts guarding at seven or eight months right right so we're, we're looking yeah. at those differently not to say that we're necessarily um i don't want to say handling it but we're still doing some of the same exercises yeah to help it and so when we're talking prevention we're saying you know making sure
1: that what you're doing with your dog is, number one, going to help them associate you with good things, right? Yeah. So um, if I'm walking toward my dog's food bowl, I'm probably going to you know, throw a cookie at throw them or something, something right? In there, yeah. And and this is just generic, like this is not if your dog is a severe resource guarder please don't go and mess with their food in any way. Um, but those are some things that you could do with puppies as prevention, right? Is like throwing a cookie at them or when you're playing tug
0: and stuff is-, is Leave it and take it. Yeah, practicing yeah. some of the skills. And so, or um, I just want to add to yeah. that one, because you're, you're on a roll there, is if they have some type of toy or something, trade them for another one. Exactly. And you know, like we're always just seem to be giving something. You want to be giving something in return. We are the provider of all the fun things.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> you um, and so on that note, um, one of the other things that you had mentioned earlier was guarding that's not necessarily the common type not yes, necessarily the, the food not necessarily the toys
0: right so the main you know we do like in classes the main thing we're going to talk about is guarding and, and amelia saying that with the seminar so and then just to summarize again we we're talking about food bowls sometimes water bowls um, one little comment i do want to make before we switch on to that is some dogs guard against other dogs yes some dogs guard against people mm-hmm. some dogs guard against both Yes. They don't necessarily because they're a garter does not mean people and other dogs. Right. Because we find the odd time in classes that the dog is never guarded before until they come to class with other dogs in the room. Yeah. Right. Or you have, you're bringing in a second dog in a multi dog household and all of a sudden you see guarding. So mm-hmm. um, different circumstances there. But the idea is that. Um, I'm Just because they guard
1: one thing doesn't. Yes, from yes, one yes.
0: thing, Okay. No. Thing, person, dog, entity. Yeah, entity, <laughs> yes. So where Amelia is going um, and that what we were chatting about is we can get into what we call location guarding, mm-hmm. which isn't, I don't want to say clear a fine line, but location guarding is linked with territorial component. Mm-hmm. Okay. So actually some dogs will guard their dog bed or their mat or their kennel. Yes. Okay. So now we're talking about bigger things or your bed or Or your, your oh yeah, we've, (laughs) we've heard that one, right. Where, you know, they get into bed with, you know, um, one family member and the other family members trying to go to sleep and the dog's like, ah, no. Yeah. Yeah. So another sort of ball game there, but then we get, you can get into guarding of a person when they're on leash. Right. or we can have guarding of the house at the front door mm-hmm. so the tricky thing with those is it's not say strictly resource guarding the thing is there's also a territorial component
1: yeah because I mean while you are a resource of lots of things right. or well um you know the bed is maybe the resource of comfort or something like that right there it is yeah there's like the personal space that's sort of included in that so that's where there's a little bit of a crossover between maybe my webinar with resource guarding and your webinar reactive dog webinar yeah because um and we're going to do an episode on that as well on, on reactive dogs in general um but when you get into that stuff it's tricky because there's more than one sort of thing you need to be looking at
0: yeah, and I think definitely when you're having territorial location guarding, um, owner guarding, reactivity, you yeah. know, that sort of thing, that's definitely when you're going to consult a professional because I really think that's beyond sort of everyday knowledge. It
1: is, and it's not intuitive, right? Because yeah. a lot of the time people will say, um, my dog's guarding me, like, I need to be the D word.
0: Yeah, the D word. I
1: need to be the alpha, I need to be whatever. and they're going to end up making it worse right or they're going to end up putting themselves or somebody else in a dangerous situation yeah um because it's so much more than that and i think that's why we want to just try to bring education to it and go you know these are all the components that resource guarding could be um these are some signs to look for know when you need a professional yeah and you know know when you can work it out on your own i guess Yeah, Um, I'll, I'll throw that out there um, because yesterday I was talking to a client of yours. Okay. Did you get an email? Maybe no, No. Um, Oh no,
0: here we go. She's surprising me. I received, I received a
1: picture from a client of yours with two dogs who you had seen for resource guarding against one another. And they oh, were yes. sharing, they each had a toy and they yes. were each on the same couch together. Yes. And these are dogs that they thought would never be able to be in the house together. Yes, I and did get so, the email, thank <laughs> you. Um, I just wanna say, it's possible to work through it, Yeah, right? And um, it's it's just about sort of knowing what you're looking at and, and taking the right steps.
0: Yeah, for sure. And. You know, it's again about breaking it down and you don't, we have very many professionals in all different, um, careers right mm-hmm. and we've worked hard at this so yeah. you know again don't feel that it's um that you're you're not being the best dog parent, so and so forth because you can't deal with the situation look at it as you know i need to reach out for help with different things and so it's okay to reach out for help and and get some more information because i think our goal overall in our profession is to have everybody cohabitate happily. And if there's little bumps, well then that's why we're there to help out.
1: Yeah, so I think um, to wrap it up, I will say if you found this webinar helpful or this podcast helpful rather, definitely look into the resource guarding webinar because we will um, we'll have some dates coming up on the website. We run it throughout the year. We just do multiple dates Um, and it's all online that one. So it can be done from the comfort of your home. And then I always say to people, once you start there, if you need
0: more one-on-one help, you or I can, can come in. I was going to say, there's always, always, always a private option. And there's always about accommodating because we know everybody's busy. Exactly. So um, get in touch if you need to. Find us on social media, find us on TikTok,
1: find us on Instagram, find us on Spotify, Spotify. find us on Apple Podcasts, um, or just shoot us off an email, Um, go to our website, thedogclassroom.com, and we can't wait to hear from you. Thank you.